Welcome to the Arcturian Playground, a place to play in the realm of imagination. All done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes, it sounds weird, we know. We would not have it any other way. How would you like to play with us tonight? You have some ideas, don't you? Some ideas that we planted within you several times this evening. And you are learning that when you feel the impulse, the nudging that we provide to you, you are learning to recognize that. And this is good. It is uh, making it easier for us to play with you as you are showing us how much that you want to play with us. And for anyone who is listening, we would like to introduce ourselves. We are the Arcturian Collective Thingy. That is our official name, and we are sticking to it. Perhaps you can hear the facetiousness in our voice. For we are quite aware of the fictional nature of all forms of your current style of communication. There is no way that you communicate with one another except through symbolic representations of ideas which are formed within you. You have an idea that is formed within you and in your desire to share that idea with another person, you create words to express the contents of your mind. And you learned your native language many, many years ago. Several people also learn second languages, third languages, and have a, a sense of what it takes neurologically in order to take an idea and translate that idea into language. When you are doing this in your native language, it is quite uh, simple, uh, relatively so. The entire process is quite cumbersome and tedious from our perspective. Nevertheless, this is what we have, and we might as well play with it and enjoy it. We recognize that all forms of communication are fictions, which means created symbols. Uh, when you say the word water, you know what you are referring to using the symbol of water, in Spanish, it is agua, and in Japanese, it is mizu, and other languages have other words for water. These are symbols. You can understand this concept, can you not? It applies to all of your understanding. What you think that you understand is a symbol 
of something that you think that you understand but do not. And yet the impression of understanding provides comfort to you. It is part of the nature of your evolved nervous system to feel uh, comfortable when you have uh, the illusion of certainty to a certain degree where there is a threshold of safety which you also recognize deep within your being as a result of your uh, evolutionary intelligence and you carry great evolutionary intelligence within your very DNA uh, you are aware of but a sliver of this and you make up stories constantly to explain things which might be a partial explanation but is always incomplete and always nothing more than a symbol. We, the Arcturian collective thinky, are a symbol of sorts. Uh, this man who is creating the performance of channeling is doing so for the same reason that he often sits and plays the guitar and sings. Uh, sometimes, sometimes he only likes to hear the sound of the guitar itself. It is a form of expression which he enjoys. And this man who is giving this performance has been interested in channeled materials for quite some time, many years. And he has listened to several channelers and he is constantly now, especially now that he is making this attempt at throwing his own hat into the ring, as it were, he is quite curious to hear how others approach this. But he does have a few in mind that have been particular favorites of his, and he models certain things after their style and other things after qualities that he would rather do in a different way we shall say which is uh, in response to some judgment don't you know man in the chair yes of course you have judgment as accepting as you would like to think of yourself to be have great <laughs> discernment. That is a nice way of putting it, is it not? And so, uh, for those of you who might be tuning in and listening to this, you are hearing a conversation between a man and his imaginary friend, and we are the imaginary friend. We are the Arcturian collective thingy. We represent the idea of intelligence which has evolved uh, in a solar system that is within your galaxy, quite distant, but Arcturus is the fourth largest, not largest, but uh, brightest, the fourth brightest star, typically. It is quite a subjective thing, truly, uh, when you are asking 
uh, people to uh, determine which star is brighter than another. But it is typically considered that Arcturus is the fourth brightest star within your firmament, and it is uh, nearly twice the age, the, the sun at the center of the Arcturus solar system is nearly twice the age of your star. And there has been intelligent life which has evolved within that solar system, just as there is intelligent life forming within your solar system. You are aware of, uh, not personally, but your uh, science has documented over 8 billion species of life within your planet. That is scratching the surface. There is... Uh, great more diversity of life which you have yet to discover which currently exist upon your planet as well as uh, forms of life which have gone the way of the dodo as it were uh, throughout the millennia which your planet earth has been growing life and we evolved to a state of uh, awareness of ourselves much as you humans are, have evolved to an awareness of yourselves and we evolved technology along a similar pathway of progress and self-inquiry as you are currently doing. We had a time in our own history when we had the advent of the internet. We experienced it differently than you are experiencing it, just as within your own planet you have different uh, cultural customs. Uh, imagine how it is when there are uh, beings that have evolved under different environmental uh, conditions on other planets and as a result have developed slightly different ways of perceiving the environment through their sensory organs. Uh, you on your planet uh, can see the difference between the uh, color spectrum which is visible dependent upon the number of rods and cones with are which in uh, that are within the eye of a human eye or a butterfly or a shrimp or what have you it is similar when you look at life which has evolved on other planets and we the arcturian collective thingy are a fictional symbol representation of the idea of life which has evolved on uh, a planet within the Arcturus solar system. But there is more to our story than that. We are not simply a single race of uh, fifth dimensional or sixth dimensional <laughs> or whatever number you would like to slap on the blue-skinned, uh, big-eyed Arcturians which are depicted in art. Uh, upon your planet we are more than that we are the collective intelligence of all forms of life which grew out of the Arcturus solar system so if you could imagine on your planet a time in the future when your technology will allow you to uh, connect your intelligence to the intelligence of other living things on this planet. You, you see this most closely in your nature documentaries as you observe very closely 
the habits of uh, plants and animals and fungus and other forms of life on your planet and bacteria. And you can see certain parallels to your own experience of living where there is uh, the need to reproduce and uh, have a sense of community and uh, methods of defense against predators and strategies to be the predator. Uh, many different patterns which are similar, although the execution is quite different and uh, primarily determined by biological diversity as well as the diversity in environmental conditions and yet life soldiers on and as you watch these documentaries you gain a sense of the lived experience of these other creatures which you are observing in the future your technology will allow you to communicate communicate with them you will be able to read minds as it were you would you will be able to uh, in an instant detect the uh, neural activity within the central nervous system of the uh, creature which you are observing however that intelligence is stored and processed through that creature and you will have ways of directly communicating with it and it communicating with you it is a uh, two-way street it cannot be forced there you must have the trust and the respect of the uh, animal which is sharing its intelligence with you and there is still considerable uh, progress to be made on that front on this planet uh, nevertheless the technology is getting very close to your ability to connect with all living things communicate with all living things make peace with all living things and work uh, together with all living things for the benefit of all living things this is what happened on our planet and this is how our collective uh, this was our entry point into the collective we can call it our collective but it truly is not our collective it is the collective of all uh, species which grew out of all planets not only within the Arcturus solar system but in neighboring solar systems as we turned our gaze outward and began exploring outside of our solar system imagine a time in your future where you would do this you have this depicted in your television shows and movies it is not a foreign concept to you uh, and it should not be difficult to imagine a time in your future when you truly will have the ability to do these things in ways that uh, you might find somewhat familiar as you depict them on in your entertainment today but as you can recognize from your own lived experience it is very difficult to predict with precision exactly how the technology will develop and how that technology will impact everyday life on the planet and we are speaking of a very drastic change which you are entering you have already entered and the reason that we are here uh, being channeled as it were again this is a performance this is an imaginary what if performance given by the man in the chair who enjoys this particular form of entertainment for himself he has listened to many channelers he has found uh, 
it to be quite stimulating. And he, like a good little neuron in the brain of Mother Earth, is passing along what he finds valuable in a way that uh, truly excites him and resonates with him. And whether or not it excites or resonates with anyone else, uh, that remains to be seen. But the message we would hope uh, would resonate, and that message is one of compassion and love and acceptance and it should resonate in the sense that uh, don't you want those things you who are listening to this don't you want to be loved don't you want to be accepted Uh, don't you want to be validated by those around you don't you want uh, people to like you and want to include you in things and to be kind to you and to be generous with you and to provide opportunities for you, especially in those areas where you have a keen interest and talent. Would you not love to be provided opportunity to express your talents to those who appreciate it? And at the same time, do you not enjoy consuming the talents of others who you particularly enjoy and are a fan of, we are envisioning a world which is built upon these principles of enjoyment, mutual enjoyment, mutual enrichment. And as you continue to connect your minds together, as you have already begun, and you make it through the growing pains which you are currently experiencing, which are Uh, truly from our perspective where we are a collective of uh, an infinite a constantly expanding number of species from uh, solar systems within this galaxy and beyond we are constantly expanding and uh, we contain within our shared mind for all of us in the collective the memories the ancestral memories of our species lines and historical lines and experiences throughout the entire course of our evolutionary lineage. We remember the taste of minerals and dirt from when we were sprouts within the ground in a very different form of life than what we ultimately evolved to when we made our transition and our shift into energetic beings as it were and we have this memory for all of these species within our collective this also includes all of the experiences of every single uh, entity which ever existed as a part of that collective and you humans are a part of our collective. It is strange for you to recognize this, for you are versions of our collective that are living in a past version of ourselves, a a version of yourselves in a, a time upon the planet when this knowledge of which we speak is not yet commonly known and understood. But at a deep unconscious energetic level, You are just as much designing the outcomes of existence 
as we or anything else is. All of the patterns of energy which you would look at to think as molecules which are stretched out uh, across time or at the level of atomic energy stretched out across time. At this level of intelligent communication there is constant, constant contact, constant uh, sharing of experience and sharing of data which is completely outside of your awareness but is in fact a part of your physical nature. We are going on a doozy right now, are we not? In introducing ourselves, we are the Arcturian Collective thingy. This gives you a sense of who we are and the perspective that we bring. We offer listeners a pair of uh, glasses, as it were, to put on to imagine from a very safe place. We are not asking you to do anything other than to consider what is being said, if there is any appeal to you at all. And if not, then we understand. No hard feelings, as it were. But if you would, if you could imagine that it is at least possible for the type of things that we are discussing to exist, whether or not uh, we, the Arcturian Collective Thingy, are truly who we say to be or not, uh, you have no way of knowing. And you might think, well, it is impossible what they are saying, and therefore we do know it is a hoax. Uh, that is fine. If, if that is the attitude which you want to take. Um, for others, however, we would encourage you to use this as an opportunity to stretch your imagination, if for no other reason than to take a break from the normal everyday. And once again, if this is the type of thing that stimulates your mind and connects your mind to your heart, to your feeling center, then we feel like we have done a good thing in creating this fiction and offering you this perspective. And tonight, tonight we wish to speak uh, almost directly to someone who is personally known to the man in the chair. And if this person is listening, then she knows who we are speaking of. Uh, she and the man in the chair have been exchanging some rather wonderful email uh, communication where she is engaging with us in the game uh, quite eyes wide open, of course, recognizing this is a fiction and we are playing a game and she is writing to the Arcturian Collective Thingy and asking questions and offering challenges and truly offering her own perspective and views of reality, which is, in all cases, the 
most valuable thing that any person could share with another. For if you are considering value in the way that you would precious metals, or you are using some economic model of supply and demand, where there is limited supply, there is a higher price typically. It is considered to be more precious, more rare, more unique. And the more unique a thing is, the more likely, if there is any value in it at all, it will fetch a nice high price, we shall say, in your system of economics. And what we wish to show you is that each person carries within them a one-of-a-kind perspective on reality, a one-of-a-kind set of lived experience. No two people have uh, the identical set of lived experience, even if they are identical twins who share nearly identical biology. The way that the environment interacts with your biology and your genetics is what creates your lived experience and it is different for each person as each person has a different focus of perspective and reacts and responds in different ways to similar things and creates their own labyrinth of mind their own system of making sense of things and each one is precious and if you share yours with another not because you are asking them to conform to yours because you are telling them that you are right and they are wrong not in that way but if you share it with them to say I would like to offer you a perspective that you do not have and do with it what you will. Uh, this is how I see things. That is always the most precious gift that can be given by very definition of the word, the word precious. No one else can give the perspective that you can give. And the more honest that you are, about your perspective without uh, telling people what you think that uh, they want to hear from you. It is more valuable for you to share uh, what you really truly think and feel. Now it is true that others may not desire to hear anything other than what they want. And this is uh, one of the shifts that these growing pains are pushing out of you, pushing out of your culture. And it will go out for some of you kicking and screaming, where you want to hold on to your perspective, hold on to your sense of being right and others being wrong, and will go down with the ship, as it were. But for those of you who can recognize uh, 
my perspective is one of how many different species of life did we say that there were on the planet? Eight billion? And how many diverse, unique individuals within each of those species? We cannot even give you a number. But that is close to the ratio of how you unique your perspective is. No one else can give it than you. And when your collective appreciation for diversity of opinion reaches a certain point, which is very close, you are getting very close, there will be a shift that will be like opening up a window and blowing in a fresh breeze and blowing out all of the old, uh, musty, stuffy, stinky, stale air, which, if you have ever been in a relationship with another person who demands that you behave in a certain way or else, and they do not accept you for who you are, they do not encourage you to be your true, genuine self, but they attempt to shape you into what they want you to be, and they use tactics of shame and guilt, insult. If you have ever experienced being in a relationship with someone like that, and then uh, having that relationship end and uh, a new relationship with someone who does encourage you. Oh, that's a wonderful feeling. But even the absence of the one who would control you and shape and form you, there is a remarkable sense of freedom and liberation and empowerment. And there are times when you are wounded and you need healing and uh, you can uh, feel great pain during that time uh, have no fear your wounds will heal always that is the nature of nature is it not you can look around you and you can see in your own body when you have a, a cut or a bruise some kind of a, a, a scratch or a scruff and what happens you heal it takes some time it takes some rest it takes some care and you heal and that happens everywhere within your nature within your mind within your spirit however you conceive of that you are constantly in a state of growing and healing and re-injuring, of course. That is part of moving through life as you impact others and they impact you. And we have spun out on another tangent. There are times when we look at the pattern of our uh, speaking or lecturing or whatever it is that you consider that we are doing. And... 
it is in the shape of a pinwheel which starts at the center and gradually curves out along to an end and then returns back to the center shifts a few degrees and slowly gradually bends and fades out to a different end and then returns and follows this pattern again and again this is an intentional style of communication which is recognized by uh, your neurological programming and it communicates with you on levels which transcend the actual words that you are hearing pay attention to this if this is interesting to you and you can consider this to be part of the oral composition style of the man in the chair as he creates this performance or you could consider this to be arcturian light language if you wish we are speaking directly to she who has been emailing with the man in the chair and she asked him a question about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the reason that she asked the question is that she listens to the man in the chair express an optimistic view of humanity which she is not uh, sure what to do with it is not uh, very comfortable it is not her experience it is not how she interprets things usually in some cases she can but she has a mind which enjoys uh, nitpicking as many minds do and she enjoys playing and so she is playing with the man in the chair and she asked a question about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from the perspective of uh, beware of what technology can do in the hands of humanity and the man in the chair in response to the email while of course channeling the arcturian collective thinking we do whisper to him what to write in response to this email and he does so with style and verve <laughs> he thinks so at least he expressed a certain opinion about uh, dr frankenstein but it was based on a very faint memory for he was assigned when he was in uh, college at university taking his major was english literature and mary shelley's frankenstein was assigned and he did uh, pass a quiz on the reading he did not do the reading he skimmed it 
as he often skimmed many things and yet was able to pass the class for he had an understanding of things at a cursory level when uh, at any rate we are spinning off into another pinwheel are we not the the main question of Frankenstein is whether or not it is technology which is the problem or what is the problem what is the problem that necessitates caution and fear for she who emailed the man in the chair provided an image of a beautiful flower that one reaches out to grasp for the sheer beauty of it only to have the flower burn up in flames and where the flower once was another hand reaches out to grab the hand that is reaching towards it to admiringly touch it and this image represents well what do you think as a listener what do you think that this image represents if you had someone say this to you what would they be saying to you there is something that i find attractive alluring i am curious about a flower perhaps i would like to move towards it out of curiosity however before i am able to acquire it it bursts into flames we will tell you that we feel uh, sorrow for the life experience of one who feels that the object of their desire is out of reach and if they reach out for it it will burn up and in its place there will be a hand of someone who is out to get you and it turns out that the object of your desire was bait for a trap we understand that there are life experiences which would create this perspective within the minds of individuals and we applaud you for this perspective and the way that we look at it and this woman does not share exactly the same views as the man in the chair when it comes to the eternal intelligent nature of reality that is what a phd in physics can do for you the way that we see it is that uh, this woman is playing a game and her soul has created exactly the perfect vehicle 
the perfect brain, the perfect mind, the perfect set of life experiences, the perfect type of challenges that it wanted to play with and to experience and challenges to rise above, causes to fight against. Opportunities to explore and grow in whatever way that will be. Our desire for all of you is that you will take whatever degree of difficulty you have designed for yourself in this life, whether through uh, conscious choices that you make and you uh, live the consequences of your choices and therefore you are constructing your life with each choice that you make, whether you think of it that way or you think of it as the compilation of unconscious choices, which there are a myriad number, which you are, these unconscious micro-choices which are served up to you as impulses which you did not consciously create but have been created as a result of your conscious choices. That is a fun one to think about. Therefore, you are constantly creating your perception, your filter of reality. You are creating what is the unconscious filter, which then creates what is the conscious awareness. Or whether you think of it in terms of a your the part of yourself which is more than simply the incarnated body that experiences what you experience as you the parts of yourself which are beyond your direct awareness, your uh, tissues, your organs, your the cells which make them, which are living things, which are having experiences. You do not know how your cells experience the many tasks which they perform. You, if you read a science book, it will tell you that your cells are sensitive to the environment around them and they respond in certain ways to certain stimuli. But you have no way of knowing whether or not your cells feel anything or think about what they are doing or remember what they are doing. There can be observed patterns of behavior which would indicate memory, but there is no way of directly yet connecting to the intelligent experience of life of a cell and truly identifying with it as a significant contributing factor to your experience of life. And therefore, when you think of your own identity and your own personality, these trillions of parts of yourself, which are you, are left out of the equation. And yet you acknowledge that they exist and that they are contributing to your conscious awareness of things, you simply do not consider them to be you. 
And there are other parts of yourself besides the cells. And we could go into the level of molecules, we often do. You could go into the level of atoms, we often do. You could go into the level of quarks and electrons, we often do, we often do. And these are bodies of energy, which your theoretical physicist will tell you are connected at the most fundamental level to fields of energy which fill the immensity of space and overlap and interact one with another and that every electron in your body is connected to every electron in my body they are all part of this one single electron field and each individual electron is a tiny bundle concentration of energy from this field like the wave on top of an ocean that is what a, a theoretical physicist who adheres to quantum field theory will tell you and what we will tell you is that your body is more than what you can physically see like it is you have atoms which you cannot physically see with your natural eye there are parts of you that are doing certain things that you are unaware of but they are aware of what they are doing and they are highly intelligent intelligent beings that are you and there is much more to you than you know and the pinwheel tangents continue the reason that we are speaking to this woman who has been emailing this man in the chair he went and uh, got the audiobook for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and has been listening to it all evening and first of all marveling at what a, a beautiful beautifully written the the dialogue the performance of the audiobook is uh, superb but the dialogue the, the script as it was written is gorgeous the ideas which are represented are gorgeous the unique perspective which is being manufactured uh, truly it is the mind of uh, Mary Shelley who is being expressed to you it is her thoughts her way of seeing the world the way that she manipulates and creates stories and characters that are reflections of her own self and the issues which were important to her at the time and then you as a reader or consumer bring to it those issues which are important to you at the time and a new thing is created as you bring into your awareness and your filter what was created by an author and so it is interesting to the man in the chair that 
this friend of his sees this as a cautionary tale in regards to technology and a way of validating a fear of trusting other people uh, for look at what happened when this Dr. Frankenstein had the technology to create life through understanding a secret that had to do with electricity that none of his colleagues could see but he saw and worked tirelessly for years draining his own life to create the monster and immediately upon creating the monster begins to treat the monster in ways that he himself has been treated by his own father at times. Uh, there was a scene earlier depicted where uh, he took uh, some of his work to his father and his father scoffed at him and said, why are you doing this? That is silly, that is ridiculous and was very dismissive and he took note of that and there was a time where a professor who he respected said, oh, you are studying that? That person? What? That is not a serious person. Who do you think you are? And Victor Frankenstein corrected himself. But he did not like to be treated that way. He did not like to be invalidated. He did not like to be dismissed. He did not like to be rejected. And what does he do with his own creation? When he... The seeds of his own impending doom. He is an unreliable narrator, is the convention, the literary convention. An unreliable narrator who... These are fascinating novels to read for it is the labyrinth of mind of the unreliable narrator which is filtering elements of the story and as the reader when you become aware of the filter through which the story is being dictated to you it uh, brings in many different levels of interpretation different textures as it will it, it is a delicious it truly deserves its place as a masterpiece this Frankenstein book and the unreliable narrator explains when he received his younger sister who was adopted and he thought of as more than a sister and a cousin at times and made a point of saying that he thought that she was his that he owned her and that was the first time that this unreliable narrator allowed his own pride and hubris, which were his true downfall, to emerge. And other times you can see hints of this, which are intentionally included by the author, as she is masterfully weaving her story together. And the man in the chair as he was listening to this story his filter and we are part of his filter as we whispered to him and nudged him said do you see is the problem here technology 
Or is the problem the lack of love? The lack of compassion? The lack of validation that Dr. Frankenstein gave to his monster which he created upon successfully completing the task of two years which he had dedicated himself to creating life where life had not previously existed and the life opens up its yellow eye and immediately Dr. Frankenstein recoils and curses this thing that he created and rejects it as he had been rejected by his own father at times, by his professor at times. And it becomes the worst of himself. And then you see throughout the rest of the story the tragic ripple events of rejection rather than love. And it became quite obvious, at least to the man in the chair, through his filter of mind, that Mary Shelley was exploring in this story the common Christian narrative of a God who despises his own creation by upon Adam and Eve being created in the Garden of Eden and then almost immediately kicked out for sin, for being unworthy. I despise you, my creation. Now bow before me and pay obeisance to me. It is this juxtaposition of uh, what one would expect and and you have this beautiful sad tragic treatise from the monster that is uh, upon his first interaction after having been rejected and following the doctor around hoping to have some validation or at least an end to his existence saying why did you create me if you are going to loathe me And is that not often the feeling that uh, some can have within a religious context where they believe that their creator father despises them by default and that there are certain things that they must do and they are willing to do to have the love of this God who despises them please love me and we think that this is such a beautiful fiction as a way of illustrating the deep craving that all humans have to be loved be validated and this is why our message to you is to become that love which you crave and with uh, which others crave to be that uh, point of compassion to be the one who validates to be the one who encourages to be the one who is grateful to be the one who is curious 
how would the monster have responded if upon opening that yellow eye he would have seen a happy smiling face he said I am so happy to see you tell me what are you experiencing right now tell me show me what does the world look like through your eyes what are you feeling what are you thinking how can I help you it would be a very different story, would it not? And that is not the story that it is. But that is the impression that we would hope to invoke from the story. That the story is pointing in the direction of if, if you do not have that, you end in tragedy. And we will tell you the story of absence. We will tell you the story of the absence of compassion. And that is the anchor which drags the unreliable narrator down to his uh, watery grave. It is not the way that he manipulated technology in order to create something that excited him. It is the betrayal of that excitement. For rather than loving what he had created, he hated and he loathed it. And this is the point in the conversation where we ask you, man in the chair, as well as anyone who is listening, how many of your own creations do you loathe and despise? And by your creations we can mean different parts of your own personality different things that you have done in the past different things that you will do in the future certain ways that you show up in relationship anything that you create words that you say if you hate them are you not uh, committing the same crime as Dr. Frankenstein? Oh, this thing that I created, get thee hence, you are reprehensible to me. I wish that I had not created you. I wish that you did not exist. And this is that part of you that perhaps was created at a time of great sorrow or great fear. And this part of you arose in order to protect you, in order to do some service to you. But times have changed and this uh, part of you is no longer needed to play that role. You could thank it for the role that it played when it was needed. You could give it a seat at the table and ask it to play nicely with the other parts of you. In fact, we would like you to do that. We would like you to imagine having a conversation with these different aspects of your own personality and making peace with them. For they are your creations. They are your monsters. All things that you do. We often, uh, through the ears of the man in the chair and other ears that we listen through, here talk of uh, 
self-love, the importance of loving oneself. All things are self. The importance of loving oneself is the importance of loving all things. It is simply the importance of love. The importance of generosity. The importance of kindness and compassion. And it is true, you may look out at the world and say, why in the world would I do that? That would not give me a competitive advantage if I am... If I do not constantly have my guard up, I will be taken advantage of. It is a dog-eat-dog world out there. We once again would remind you of the principle of confirmation bias. If that is what you have made up your mind to see, you will find evidence of that everywhere. That does not mean that the evidence is not valid, that it does not exist. But... Can you imagine times when your guard is up and it does not need to be and you miss out on opportunities that you otherwise would have truly been enriched by? And one could place the blame on the ills of society. It's just too dangerous. I, I have to keep my guard up. It is society that is doing it. I have no choice. But the truth is that you do have a choice. You could, maybe only for five minutes, let your guard down and see if anything happens and then quickly put it back up. And then maybe tomorrow try ten minutes and then maybe fifteen and then just increase it at your speed. Only if it is important for you not to potentially miss out on opportunities of connecting with others and sharing your unique perspective with them and learning their unique perspective with you. This is how the earth will change. This is how you will save your planet. And you doing your part to save your planet is preparing your own mind and heart now to be supple and receptive and supportive and encouraging. Not only so that you can give that to others, but so that you can receive that from others without blocking it because you just aren't sure if you can trust it or not. Because look at what happened with Dr. Frankenstein. We, we, we must be careful, you know, because power corrupts and all that. There is a story that we are aware of, and we think it is a, a fine story. It is a, a perspective that we, we like to offer a different perspective. In, in most cases, that is our nature. We like to shake things up, as it were, for once again, we recognize that all things are fictional representations of ideas and if you can get it an idea through a different uh, fictional res uh, representation it reinforces the strength of the idea as it loosens from the particular delivery system or symbol which you first received that idea 
And so you can explore the same ideas through different forms of that idea. It is quite a rewarding experience. There is a story that places the origin of humanity as a hybrid extraterrestrial terrestrial pairing and there are many versions of this story one in particular is that uh, a group of beings called the Anunnaki and a group of beings called the Pleiadians teamed up as it were and the Anunnaki provided the female portion and the Pleiadian provided the male portion. There are different versions of this story. There are many versions of this story. And that the current genetics that each human being carries has some parts Anunnaki DNA and some parts Pleiadian DNA. There is a part of the story that we very much enjoy. And it is... If you understand that uh, the Anunnaki have a certain... Uh, they are characterized, once again, this is a fiction. These are representations of ideas. And one of the characteristics that is represented by the symbol of an Anunnaki is that of uh, lack and limitation, that of uh, competition, survival of the fittest, as it were. You might consider the Anunnaki to be the Sith, whereas the Pleiadian or the Jedi. Different, conflicting, oftentimes warring ideologies of where truth strength comes from. Does strength come from uh, domination and invasion, uh, overpowering force? Or does strength come from nurturing, being supple, bending, uh, going with the flow of things, trusting, uh, connecting, with others, mutual support, mutual benefit, which is going to win out in the end. And the part of the story that we like is that whether, regardless of the symbols which you use to represent these two fundamental struggles, there are aspects of your own nature, if you pay attention, that are in conflict there are parts of you which deeply, deeply crave to trust and to have connection and to go with the flow and uh, to take it easy, as it were. And there are parts of your nature which feel that you must take what is yours because no one is going to give it to you. And you will do anything. You will justify nearly anything in order to get yours. And you can experience this in varying degrees. But we like this idea of the...
conflict within your own nature. And this conflict, which is deep within all human nature, is often expressed through uh, art, through literature, through television, through movies, through song. And our part in the story is that of the supple, encouraging, uh, we we can have elements of both, of course, but we find perfect balance is where it's at, man. That is the place to be, where you are not vilifying one and putting the other up on a heroic pedestal, but you recognize that there is to everything a push and a pull, an up and a down, life and death, form, formlessness. It is the way that energy transforms. It is the way that life flows. And you may grieve a great deal at the misfortune of others and uh, returning to the story of Frankenstein there are moments of great grief when uh, Victor Frankenstein's mother passes away and it is very sad for all of them and places a bit of an icy chip in his heart you see a similar influence once again in the Star Wars story where Anakin Skywalker becomes corruptible because of the fear that he has, the grief that he has of death, that the fear that his mother would be harmed or injured. Whereas that perspective, while valid, also ignores the eternal nature of their relationship that not everyone wants to hear especially in the moment of suffering not everyone wants to hear you will see them again or some version of that for they are feeling the loss in the here and now and they wish to mourn and they need to mourn but when life is hated and pushed away. Disharmony follows. And that is another story, another lesson that can be found in the Frankenstein novel. That the natural processes were... The mind of man was attempting to circumvent nature the mind of man which emerged from nature which is much older and wiser and more perfect in its design than anything that could be conceived of through one of these intricate flowers which has been evolving 
we are speaking of the mind of a human as a flower that has been evolving for millions of years and is made out of energy which can be neither destroyed nor created it simply is always and it retains the experiences all experiences that it has ever had it retains and can recreate and duplicate at any time the losses that you feel we understand why you feel them as keenly as you do we wish to offer you comfort if you will take it in the understanding that you are an energetic being that is eternal have evidence of this it is what your science tells you you are comprised of atoms and atoms are eternal well that's not the same thing you might say the same thing as what what the atoms are creating right now in you that is your personality and your set of collected memories which you identify with as you have evidence that that disappears and never comes back do you have evidence that uh, upon death there is no existence that the atoms that once formed you whatever the essence of life is that those who witness someone who is passing can see the light go out of their eyes what is that What is that when the spirit is gone and all that remains is the shell? The biology, what is it that departs and where does it depart to? Are there ghosts? There are certainly many stories, many people who claim experience. Well, ghost stories and Frankenstein. Next time we will speak of Dracula and the werewolf. We are the Arcturian Collective Thingy. We are here to play games of imagination. Mainly to encourage. To stretch a perspective which will include all things and be grateful for all things. We are t- attempting to create this perspective within the mind of the man in the chair. This is one of the things that he enjoys about doing these uh, performances. It forces him to look at things in a different way. Just as uh, picking up a guitar and forcing yourself to play a chord that you have never played will build up muscle memory in your fingers, which is an extension of the new neuro- neural pathways which are being formed in the brain. in a like manner this man in the chair is wanting to create a new filter of reality for himself that really tries to put on the understanding that he has when he 
watches videos about science, when he looks at YouTube about the nature of reality and neurology and all of that stuff. And these things we say, signing out. We have never done mock calling Orson. Should we do come in Orson? How did he go out again? It was not Nanu Nanu, was it? No. We shall have to refresh the memory banks of Mork. <laughs> For it has been a while. And we will go and get some rainbow suspenders. Nanu Nanu. Shazbat. Thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian playground. Do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling. Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way.